Marketplace is supported by Putnam Investments, committed to helping families across America pursue their college savings goals on the web at putnam.com slash 529. Produced in association with the University of Southern California. It's a global economy, which means the European debt crisis is kind of our crisis too, right? How do we get here and what happens next? Also, water skis on fire and how to increase your gas mileage. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. Marketplace is supported by Allianz, providing investment, insurance, and retirement solutions through its affiliated companies in the U.S. since 1896. AllianzUSA.com. Marketplace Innovation Reporting is supported by the 2011 Jaguar XJ. Learn more at a local dealer or at JaguarUSA.com. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. Good to have you here on this Tuesday. It's the 13th of September today. You could probably, if you wanted to, create a chart of American economic news coverage the past, what, year or so, I'd say, and it'd go a little something like this. A lot of stories about the U.S. budget fight, then the European debt crisis, then the debt ceiling thing, then the European debt crisis, then the jobs bill fight, and then the European debt crisis. Point being, one of those stories keeps coming back, and not necessarily in a good way. There is a fresh case of euro-induced jitters today. Everybody from global banking executives to political leaders are alarmed about the eurozone's failure to get its debt dilemma under control. Our senior business correspondent, Bob Moon, explains that we have been this close to the edge with this crisis before, but not this close. Europe has seen this coming for years. Sir Howard Davies is the former deputy governor of the Bank of England. He says it all came to a head when the shaky mortgage-backed securities that the U.S. had exported to European banks helped push some nations to the brink of default. The initial crisis began, of course, way back in 2007 in subprime lending in the United States, then rolled forward from being a financial system crisis into being a fiscal crisis in Europe, partly because governments, of course, took the strain, provided funding to keep the economies going, and then they ended up with large amounts of debt. And that problem is one they find extremely difficult to resolve. Many European governments could ill afford those bailouts when they'd already been spending extravagantly and creating their own housing bubbles and other financial troubles, particularly in Greece. Michele Boldrin is an economics professor at Washington University in St. Louis. Some of the problems have purely to do with the fact that the Greek government and public expenditure is completely out of control and they haven't been able to bring it under control which continues to breed fear that European banks could be on the hook for billions in loans they made to Greece. At the University of California at Berkeley, economics professor Barry Eichengreen says there's a catch-22, though, as Germany presses for further austerity measures. Greece is being told to cut domestic spending. They stop spending, firms stop producing, the economy shrinks, and the government's revenues go down even faster than anticipated. Green says that's created a fiscal spiral with no easy solution. The markets have already concluded that there is going to have to be more help for Greece and possibly the other southern European countries to enable them to get growth going again. Today, the markets seem to find reason for hope in Germany's determination to prevent a Greek default. Professor Michele Boldrin is also hopeful but realistic. You know, forecasting when humans are in the middle is always complicated. When those specific humans are politicians of a very different nation with huge conflict of interest, is even more difficult. It is impossible. Stay tuned. I'm Bob Moon for Marketplace. Stay tuned, he said. So tomorrow on the broadcast, part two of our little economic saga from Europe, what happens 
if. The U.S. Census Bureau released a ton of data today on how families are faring in a still soft economy. And the headline number, more than 15 percent of Americans live below the poverty line, paints a gloomy picture of post-recession America. Marketplace's Sarah Gardner reports. The Census Bureau's Ed Welniak delivered today's news like any good statistician. No emotion, no opinion. The 2010 official poverty rate increased to 15.1 percent and the number of poor increased to 46.2 million. Brookings Institute scholar Ron Haskins isn't a statistician. I see no reason for optimism in any of these numbers. Haskins says the latest recession took a big toll. Poverty is now at its highest rate since 1993, and median income has fallen...